hadn't really heard about him and uh, apparently was one of the few people who hadn't uh, because Mike has uh, for many, many years been a uh, sought-after speaker and uh, MC for events uh, across Canada into the United States. And uh, we're talking, you know, large, large-scale events like Kingdom Bound uh, alongside of uh, popular Christian artists and, and uh, people like my, uh, Nick Wojcik. Wojcic? I, keep, I can't say, say his name, which is regrettable, because uh, he has a tremendous testimony. And uh, Mike's done, done, done those large-scale events down to small youth group events with a dozen kids uh, for years and years, and uh, was, uh, was being invited into the Youth for Christ Canada family uh, to help uh, to, uh, to work alongside of our existing ministry and for us to work alongside Mike uh, to help him to grow his ministry. And uh, it, it has been a, a pleasure for me for the past uh, year to have gotten to know Mike and uh, seen, um, seen his ministry uh, just, uh, you know, you, you can introduce somebody and you could talk about those big names and maybe impress a few people. But what I really want to emphasize this morning as Mike comes to share with us is the heart and the passion he has for the gospel. And uh, that he uh, takes every opportunity that's presented to him to be able to reflect uh, Jesus back to his audience. And uh, Mike, I know, has a, uh, an incredible testimony on his own account uh, and, and uh, has a message that he's been taken on tour for about three months now, I think, Mike. You're on two and a half into three, and uh, he uh, he he was available traveling through the area, and I felt guilty, honestly felt guilty about monopolizing his time, but I did it anyway. So, please welcome Mike Gordon. Hey, good morning. Wow, this is awesome. Thank you for that great introduction. What Daryl left out is uh, he's my boss too, so he. <laughs> He owns me. Hey, hey, my, my name is Mike, and thank you so much to uh, allow me to come and join you guys this morning. Uh, again, great introduction. Yeah, for the most part, I travel and speak full-time. I'm on the road maybe about 270 days a year uh, all over the place. Right now, I'm just wrapping up a little speaking tour, which has been 78 days long, about 85 different towns and cities and villages across the country and uh, in the U.S. But on the side, I also run a little ministry for young professionals. These are people who are done university and college and are kind of in that stage of life of what do I do now? If you look at the stats in Canada that say about 80% of Christians who grow up in the church are no longer following Jesus by the time they're done university college. And sometimes our mindset for the church is, well, 80% of them would just find their way back and that's not happening. So two years ago, I started this little ministry and we're up to about 225 different people and you know, really awesome things are happening. But everything that I do, honestly, all points back to Jesus. My hope is we can just fix our eyes on him in this culture that might be going different directions. But so here I am. I've been on this little tour like Daryl mentioned, but this morning I have something different planned for you guys. I'm gonna pray. And then uh, we'll see what God does. Lord, thank you so much for every person here. We all have different stories. We all have different pasts. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different traditions. (laughs) It's amazing that we can all come together here on a Sunday morning to worship you. I thank you for every leader in this church. 
just every person who just put time and energy into making this morning happen because this is not automatic. This is the result of people planning and practicing and doing the tech and everything involved. So thank you for everything that people pour in to make this possible. I thank you for every person sitting here. It's a Sunday morning. Honestly, again, we don't have to be here. But thank you for every person who woke up and made the sacrifice to be here. So my hope is you speak to all of us in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't matter if we are the oldest person in the room or the youngest person in the room. It doesn't matter if we have a perfect church attendance record or not. It doesn't matter if we consider ourselves a Christian or not. I believe you can speak to everyone and anyone. I pray for myself, Lord. Give me wisdom and guidance and clarity in my words and and my thoughts. And I hope you are the one who gets glorified, not myself. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. So I grew up in a little village called Toronto. Anyone been to Toronto before? A couple of people? (laughs) And I grew up there. And then a few years ago, um, I felt God just put it on my heart, however we define that, to move to another village called Toronto, uh, London, Ontario. Any, any, London, any London people? No, that's okay, good. It's probably better, probably better. <laughs> and I moved in with this guy. His name was Jet Black. That's his real name, Jet Black. He was on the show Amazing Race. He's like the two-time bodybuilding champion. And, and he's one of those people that has one of those weird, twisted sense of humors. And I'm kind of one of those people as well. And when you get us together, it's just not a good situation. And we all have that one friend. You know that one friend? I don't care if you're 16 or 85, when you're always with that one person. You know, you're always laughing and telling jokes. Jet is that person. Now, one day in the spring, in the attic, we started hearing chirping. So we're thinking, there's a bird in the attic. Now it's, we live in Canada. So anytime you start hearing birds, it means winter is finally over. It's the best time of the year. So in the attic, we don't really want birds in the attic, but we're thinking, you know, let's look on the positive side. Then maybe like two or three weeks later, that little chirping turned into like, like sounds like something was running in our attic. We're like, that's weird. Like, and we're city boys, so we were too scared to go up in the attic and check out what it was. So we thought we would ignore it and just hope it, you know, it disappears. And then, like, I'm not sure what it was, but it just kept growing. At one point, we were convinced that we had, like, a German shepherd, like, living in our attic. Whatever it was, it was big and it was loud. But one day, our neighbor knocked on our door. And he said, hey, I just saw a raccoon jump onto your roof and crawl into this hole going into your attic. So we don't have birds, we don't have German shepherds, we have raccoons. So one particular night, we started hearing like, you know, all these sounds and everything happening. So Jet, around midnight, around 1230, he said, let's crawl onto the roof and go look for raccoons. Now, no, for city boys, this is not what you do. Now, here are the two problems. Number one, Jet and I are both terrified of raccoons. We're scared of raccoons. It didn't help that we watched YouTube videos on raccoon attacks earlier that day. The other problem is we're both terrified of heights. The worst combination ever to crawl on a roof and look for raccoons, okay? So we crawl out uh, through a window and we're on the roof. And we crawl up to this one part where the hole is. And Jet says, well, just stick your head in. 
Like, what? Just stick my head in. Like, I want my face. You know that? But he's bigger than I am. So I listen. I stick my head in. I did not see, like, any raccoons, like, in this hole. We start looking around for a little while longer. And as we're working our way back through the window, we notice that on the eaves trough, we, this is where we're hearing a squeaking type sound. So Jet then says, well, just walk to the edge of the roof and see what's there. The edge of the roof, that's where people fall off. <laughs> so I'm terrified. I'm kind of shaky. I'm nervous. I make my way to the edge of the roof. And in the eaves trough, this little baby raccoon you know, it's like a like combination of a cute puppy and a cute kitten, you know what I mean? Put those two things together, oh, your heart just warmed up, you know? So I go into this whole mindset, I'm going to save this little baby raccoon. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so I go back through the window, I run downstairs to the kitchen, and I grab an oven mitt, because that's what you need. <laughs> Crawl back out the window... And I worked my way back to the edge of the roof. And I had this hope. I had this expectation. I'm going to reach down, grab this raccoon, save its life because it was stuck. People will celebrate. I'll get the Nobel Prize. You know, like, it'll just be a great situation for everybody. So I bend down. True story. I bend down to grab this little raccoon. And I don't know what happened. But all of a sudden, this cute little puppy kitten-sized animal turned into this vicious little thing. So when I grabbed it, it clung on to my hand. So my natural reaction was to go, <laughs> and this little baby cute raccoon flew out of my hand. It was like a scene from like the movie E.T., over the moon, onto the ground. And when this happened, I know it was so bad. So, and when this happened, my whole mindset was like, that's not, that's not how I pictured this turning out. That's not what I expected. That's not what I hoped. When I put this step into action to save this raccoon, I had an expectation that it was all going to turn out a certain way, and it didn't. Can you relate to this in life? Maybe at some point in your life, you were faced with some decision, some choice, some step to take. And you pray about it. You, you seek God. You get wisdom from other people. You weigh out the options. But at some point in your life, you felt this step in front of you was the best step to take. And when you took it, you had these expectations and hope that things were going to turn out a certain way. That's why you took this step to begin with. But it didn't turn out the way you expected Maybe for some of you, when you were in high school, you were told if you get a degree, if you get education in this field, when you graduate, there's going to be all the jobs on the table. You will never have to look for a job ever again. So you take that step to go into that field. And you spend four years and all that hard work and the money and the sacrifice to get this degree only to graduate to discover there's no jobs in that field. It didn't turn out the way you expected. Or maybe you were in a situation in your life where you had maybe two job offers on the table. Or you worked for one company but another job opportunity came along. 
and you weighed out the options, you seek God, you prayed, and you felt leaving this job to take this one was the best decision for you and your family. So you made that step. You made that sacrifice. And maybe you're sitting here and that job wasn't everything you were told it was going to be. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're no longer with that company anymore. It didn't turn out the way you thought. Maybe for some of us, we grew up in a certain town, in a certain place. And when you kind of got a little bit older, you really felt the best step to take was to move to a different town, a different city, and leave your family aside, leave your friends aside, leave your comfort zone aside. And you felt this was the best step, a new chapter in my life. So you left those things behind. You took that step. You moved to that city. And it's been miserable. You haven't connected anywhere. It just didn't turn out the way you thought it would. Interesting. Maybe for some of us, maybe in church there was that like long time ago, that cute guy or that cute girl that walked in and you just knew like this is God at work right in front of you. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> if you didn't see it, there's a kiss in the front row. <laughs> That's awesome. That doesn't take much. <laughs> I love it. So good. But maybe you meet someone and you get to know them, you start talking to them and at some point you make this decision like, I'm going to marry this person. You give yourself to them because you felt this was the one that God put in your life for this purpose. So you make that commitment, you marry them, but you're sitting here right now and you're divorced. It didn't turn out the way you hoped. Or maybe you have grandchildren, or maybe you have children. And as you raised them, like you taught them about Jesus, you brought them to church, you answered all their questions about the Bible, and you prayed with them, and you laid the foundation of Christianity in their life. And you had this hope that they grow older, they would take this and keep following Jesus. Yet you sit here this morning, and they're no longer walking with him. Although you put all that hard work and time and energy into it. And when these things don't turn out the way we expect, when they don't turn out the way we hope, there's a little part of us that says to ourselves, what a waste. What a waste of time. What a waste of energy. What a waste of money. What a waste of hard work. If I knew it was all going to turn out this way, I would not have taken that step to begin with. I would not have poured myself into it. And we convince ourselves if we could go back and do it differently, we would. But honestly, I don't think we would at all. Because the reason why you took that step to begin with as you were seeking God, because you felt this was the best step to take. And it's easy looking back to say, I would do it differently, but I'm not convinced we would. There's some people in the Bible that maybe we can resonate with. Now, in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, I think we'll just pop this on the screen. We'll leave it there. Thank you, man. You're awesome. This chapter gives like an account of David's life. Everyone know David? King David? You know? Perfect. 
Well, the first part of this chapter talks about how he finally becomes king. Uh, you know, we, we know that transition of him becoming king wasn't exactly the most smooth transition on the planet with Saul and how it all worked out. And at this point, he'd been, you know, ruling over like Judah for about seven years. But now it talks about he's finally the king. Then the next part of this chapter talks about how, you know, there's war going on. There's fights going on. So it wasn't just this peaceful little journey. You're in this little land of, of Israel and everything's good. They're still at war. So the next part talks about how, how David and his men had to go and conquer Jerusalem and take this over. Oh, we'll, we'll get there in a sec. <laughs> and it kind of set the scene for this next part. So here we go. Yeah, we'll go back to that screen. Awesome. Perfect. Now, I'm, I'm going to say one, two, three, ready, read, and out loud we can read, okay? I can tell you what the Bible says, or you can read what the Bible says. I like option number two. One, two, three, ready, read. <laughs> Oh, wow. We know who went to Sunday school. Okay. <laughs> so picture this scene. David, he's over here hiding out in the caves. Again, because war is going on, he couldn't just take his long walks on the beach at this point. And as he's here, we see three of his 30 chiefs that come down to visit him. I think another translation uses the term mighty warriors. That's a pretty better name than, you know, 30 chiefs or whatever. But here we go. He had three men who were close to him who come visit him in this cave. Now, over here, we see the Philistines who were at war against David and his people. And they have a camp set up in Bethlehem. They're running this place, essentially. So we get this scene of David and his three men. And over, over, over here, Bethlehem. And this is what it says on the next slide as we continue. One, two, three, ready, read. So David, in this cave with the three men, he says, oh, if I could just have water from Bethlehem. Like, David, did you not get the newspaper that morning? You can't just go to Bethlehem. <laughs> like, there's a stronghold there. You can't just walk in. But here, David, he probably had a childhood flashback. He, he was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Bethlehem. He was a shepherd in Bethlehem. He probably knew where that awesome water was from his childhood and had this craving, if I could just have water from Bethlehem. And he says this out loud. So obviously, the people who hear it are the three men who are around him. And now they have the decision to make. Is this the best step to take? Do we listen to this? Do, do we go and put everything into getting David this water? Do we risk our life to go get this? And I'm sure they would have weighed the option in that moment as they can talk about it and thought about it. 
And they make this decision. They feel this is the best decision to make in this time, to go get this water. And I make the assumption they had this hope and this expectation that they'll get it, they'll come back, and David would drink it, and life will be good. If they didn't have a good hope and expectation, a positive expectation, I don't think they would have taken a step they did. But they make this decision. So we see on the next scripture, please. One, two, three, ready, read. So they go on the 17, the 22-kilometer hike. This wasn't like crossing the street and getting some, some sugar from your neighbor. <laughs> These three men, they travel about 17 to 22 kilometers in the desert where it's hot during the day. It gets cold at nighttime. This wasn't exactly a very easy trip. Now I could imagine when they get to Bethlehem, they put their life on the line. They like make the sacrifice. And they have to fight their way through. And they do this and they get this water. And now I'm not sure how much weight it would have been on their shoulders, how much they're carrying back. But now they're probably a little beaten, a little bit wounded from the fighting. Now they work their way back out of Bethlehem, which I assume wasn't that easy. And then back to the 17 to 22 kilometer hike. Man, these people, they put so much work into it. Talk about hard work and sacrifice and pouring energy into that step that they took because they had this expectation and hope how it was all going to turn out. And this is what the next slide says. One, two, three, ready, read. What? Like, are you kidding me right now? They give the water to David, and what does he do? He didn't drink it. He didn't quench his thirst. He pours it out. And could you imagine how these three men felt? Probably no different than the way you did. What a waste. If I knew it was going to turn out this way, I would not have gone as far as I did. I think many of us in this room, we know exactly how these three men felt as they looked at the results and realized this is not what I hoped for. This is not what I, what I expected. What a waste. But, but look at this, though. It seems like David, he looked at things from a slightly different angle. Because it says he pours the water out to the Lord. Now, in that time, they had their you know, rituals and their offering system. And the idea in that culture, in the Jewish culture, one of the ideas is understanding that life is a gift from God. And anything that helps sustain life was a gift. So these offering systems, there are different spectrums on what it looked like in, in, in the temple, in the synagogues, and just in your day-to-day -day life. But part of it is an act of gratitude, an act of being thankful for this life that you have. Now, even more so in, in that culture, 
they had what they call like a three-tier view of the universe. So they had this understanding that they believed God just lived in the sky. Here we are on earth and just underneath, and we you know, dig a little hole and that's where we don't talk about. Because they're coming from a pre-modern consciousness. At this point, no one's been to the moon. So you see how the Bible's written. The idea is anything that comes from the sky, anything that comes from the heaven, like rain for your crops or sun or any of these things, they believe it was a direct blessing from God to help sustain life. That's why you see all these scriptures in the Bible, like we look up to the heaven, we give our offering up to God. Now, one of the offerings they had in that culture was called the drink offering. This is found in, in Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. So here, David, he has this water. And he realized this water has so much value that I can't drink it myself. I'm going to pour this out as an act of gratitude, as an offering to God. Why? Because he saw everything that these three men put into this. He saw all the hard work. He saw the blood, sweat, and tears. He knew that they put their life on the line. He saw it all and said it was so worthy what they did. I can't drink it myself. He looked at things from a completely opposite direction complete opposite way. And I wonder this morning, when we look at our past and the things that maybe we label as waste, could there possibly be another way to look at it? Could there be another way to look at the step that we take and see the progress we made and maybe the character development that came up along the way? we're so quickly to look at the results and call it waste. But what if we looked at it from a slightly different angle? For example, yes, you spent all that money to get that degree, only to find out there's no job in that field. And we say, what a waste. But the reality is that degree that you earn put you in the elite of the elite in this world when it comes to education. I'm not sure if we should call that a waste. Yes, maybe that job did not work out, but for that 17 months you were with that company, you were able to you know, pay for your house or your car, or put a little money into your savings account, and that little income that you had put you in the elite of the elite of the elite of this planet in regards to money. I'm not sure if, if we should label that as a waste. Yes, maybe your marriage ended in a divorce, but as a result of that marriage, you have two beautiful children. I'm not sure we should just label that as a waste. Is there another way to look at it? When we see Jesus come along, he asks these people to follow him. And it seems like everyone he asks to follow, they have to lay something aside. They have a decision to make to follow him and give this thing up. We see his disciples. They spent three and a half years, give or take, following him. And I'm sure they had this expectation that Jesus, he was going to take over the Roman Empire. He's going to conquer the empire. He's going to set his kingdom here on earth and will have peace. So they give their life to this. And they took that step. And could you imagine? Could you imagine? 
when they saw Jesus getting arrested. Could you imagine when they heard about Jesus getting beaten? Could you imagine when they hear that Jesus is on the cross? Remember, they all kind of, for the most part, ran away. And when word came back to them that Jesus is dead, they would have felt, honestly, the same way as these three men, and maybe you guys too. What a waste. I gave my life to that. But here we are in 2017. And we've learned how to look at the story of Jesus and what he did on the cross from a different angle. We don't say it's a waste because he died. But these disciples, listen, they did not have the luxury to just turn the page. In those days when Jesus was dead, before he resurrected, wow. But again, here we are in 2017 and we learn how to look at it from a completely different angle. And my hope for us this morning if we don't just label things as waste in our life because it did not turn out the way we expected and the way we hoped. Because the problem with that is this. The next time there's a step to take. The next time there's a decision in front of you. The next time God puts something on your heart where you know this is of him, I need to make this sacrifice and move forward. What naturally happened is your mind reminds you, remember the last time you did that? Remember how it didn't turn out last time? And you convince yourself, if I do it again, it's going to end up the same way. So many of us, because of our past and how we view it and how we label it, we stay in the same spot. Now, for many of us, we call that spot our comfort zone. But if we're bluntly honest, I think for many of us, that spot is the result of fear. Maybe this time around, it's a little harder to trust God. Maybe this time around, it's not as easy. Maybe this time around, you have all these thoughts and all this negativity in your head and you could possibly be missing out on some great things that God has for you just because you look at your past from a certain angle. So my hope this morning, if we have to talk to someone, if we need prayer, if we need to go home and start writing these things down, my hope is when we look back that we can maybe make a list or point out a few highlights and maybe a few good things that actually came out of the journey to help us look at things a whole new way. I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you for every person sitting here. And life is complicated sometimes. And we take these steps in life with an expectation and a hope. We seek you in the decisions and we, we have this vision on how it's all going to turn out. This is why we took the step to begin with. And we have this expectation it's all going to end up good. It's all going to be positive. But maybe someone here this morning can relate where it didn't turn out the way they thought. And they poured themselves into it. All the hard work, the energy, the sacrifices, the money, whatever it was. And this positive hope didn't end as positively as I thought. 
And maybe they had that internal thought, and maybe they don't share it with other people, but they really felt like, what a waste. What a waste. So I thank you for the story that we see in First Chronicles, Lord. Thank you that you, you, you use someone like David and he, these three men to still resonate with where we are many, many, many years later. You saw everything that these people poured into that decision. You saw every hour they poured into it when maybe no one else did. You saw all the blood and the sweat and the tears that they poured into this step. And you know on a bigger scale than we ever would what truly came out of that and the progress that was made and the relationship that was made and the character development that was made and maybe this directed us to here and here and there. We don't even see all those things, Lord. We just see the result did not turn out the way we thought and waste. But help us give us a new mind. Help us look at things from a whole new way and see things through your eyes and through your wisdom and your understanding. Because it's not a waste. Nothing in Jesus' name is a waste. So if we're sitting here this morning, Lord, and maybe we feel hindered from our past. Maybe we feel crippled from moving forward because the last time we had that hope and a positive result, it didn't turn out. Maybe for someone this morning, we're sitting here and when we look forward, the expectation we have is actually not a positive one, it's a negative one. Thinking it's all going to turn out the same way. Please, Please renew our mind. And don't let fear keep us in the same spot. I honestly believe if our heart is still beating, that you still have a step for every single person in this room to take. If it's big or if it's small. Give us peace. Please. And help every single person here break off the fear in their life so they can walk in the new that you have for them. I thank you that you are with every single person here. And I thank you that you have never given up on any single person here. And any time we entertain that thought, my hope is we can just fix our eyes back on the cross as that reminder that you've never given up on any of us. In Jesus' name, amen.